This is Crosscut Reports. I'm Sarah Bernard. This week, and throughout the month of December, we're revisiting some episodes from earlier in the year and updating them with what's happened since. Today, we're checking back in with Farah El-Tohami, who, along with Mai Huang, reported this summer on the challenges facing mobile home communities in Washington. Specifically, they investigated allegations that Hurston Sun LLC had raised rents, added fees, and reduced services shortly after acquiring dozens of mobile home properties in the region. But residents fought back. We're going to replay that episode now. Afterward, stick around for a new conversation with Farah about what's happened since that story published. There's been some big news for residents of Hurston Sun properties, as well as for other mobile home parks in Washington. But first, Here's that episode from August. What a good guard dog. Oh, that's why she's barking at me. No treat. So, Farah, I know that you spent some time in Aberdeen recently. Tell me about Leisure Manor Estates. What, what is this place and what is it like there? Leisure Manor, it sits in South Aberdeen, right around the corner of... State Highway 105. And I remember just the feeling of, like, my first couple minutes there and just feeling just very calm. Something that residents really wanted to make a point of that, you know, people assume that we're like trailer trash, that our homes don't matter or that this community doesn't matter. But, like, it's very well kept. They do everything that they can to keep it the way that it is. Um, And you can really tell, like, the community, I feel like so much of it is like a labor of love. I know I keep on saying this, but, like, once again, I just, like, the thing that really sticks out to me is, like, how much everyone really cares about their homes here. Like, yes. Look, like, there's, like, fresh lavender, like. The, the source I introduced the piece with, Judy Short, one of the first things that she told me was they fired the maintenance person, and now I've been doing all the upkeep because she has years' worth of, like, gardening knowledge. So it's really just, like, all the tenants that have been, you know, stepping in and making the place as special as it is. Tell me a little bit more about Judy Short. She's She's been there for a little while now. The first thing I noticed about her was just, like, how cheery she was. Like, she just had such a great, like, presence and just a, such a great personality. She was so excited to show me around, so excited to show me her home. And, you know, just even when we were walking through the park together, you could just hear her, like, wave to everyone, like, oh, hey, or how are you, you know? And just, like, you can just really tell that, like, She's just, like, very well-loved by everyone around her, you know, just cheerfully greeting other neighbors. And, oh, there's my neighbor across the street has been here for 32 years. As we go by Bill and Carolyn, their neighbor across the street has been here for 37 years. This isn't like camping out, we're here and then we're gone. This is an RV park. This is people living here for a for lengthy time. So tell me about what's changed in recent years at Leisure Manor Estates. What's different now? Prior to Hurston Sun acquiring the park, um, residents were paying rents close to 485, some a little bit less, but it was like in the 400 range, which is pretty affordable. But ever since Hearst came in, their rents increased by close to 40 percent. So they went up to $635. And now with the most recent increase, they're looking to pay rents um, in the 700 range, so around $750. And on top of that, prior to Hearst, their rents included also the cost of utilities. So that 400 figure included, you know, water, sewage, garbage, etc. But ever since Hearst acquired the park, they've been having to pay that separately. So from my visit, when I sat down with the residents, they told me that essentially 
after totaling everything, they would have to pay close to $858 or something around that range. The thing is, with people who live in mobile home communities, many of them are elderly people on fixed income, and they can't afford those drastic— because these hikes are still very very drastic, you know? The one thing that they worry about is that rent is just going to keep on going up and up and up, and they just will be essentially homeless and not know what to do. When we moved in five years ago, and it was going to be an affordable place to live. Everybody here got along so well. We had activities, and you could go out and walk and visit with people, and it's just a good community. And now everybody's nervous, and nobody knows what's going on, what, mm-hmm. what's going to happen next. During my tour, um, I noticed that there were just so many for sale signs up, and they said that that wasn't the case before. You know, they said that essentially before Hurston's son came in, everything was just functioning like perfectly. Life was the way that, you know, that it was. But now that Hearst has come in the picture, um, it feels like their lives have been completely upended. The couple that have lived here for a number of years have both recently passed away. And this has been given to the park. They've received um, seven or eight now this year. What a coup for them. Well, yeah, they get the house without paying for it. Yeah. And then they sell it, and then they get the rent. Ebenezer Scrooge would be proud. (laughs) It's it's a real racket. Maybe I'm just jealous that I didn't think of it. Yeah, so it sounds like all of these changes that you're describing at Leisure Manor Estates, they happened kind of almost immediately after Hurston's son acquired the property? Yeah, so residents tell me that they felt the effects of the new management, like, almost right away. And yeah, and you and and my report that it is not just Aberdeen, it is not just Leisure Manor Estates, where these sorts of changes are happening. Yeah, so I wondered if you could tell me more about what's happening across the state among mobile home communities that are owned by Hearst & Son, LLC. So what initially inspired the story was the fact that our editor, Jacob Jones, um, had noticed... Hearst and Son coming up a lot in, you know, many local papers across Washington state. It's been like a good amount of like isolated incidents across the state. And then that's when he picked up on a pattern of, oh, they all have the same landlord. What's going on? There have been some very serious problems in other communities. Like, for example, in Sun Tides, the community that uh, my reported on, there was an E. coli outbreak, for example. Um, and residents to this day are still scared of, you know, using the water there. So E. coli in their running water, what did residents do while that was happening for water? So from the months of November to March, residents basically bought bottled water and just waited for a response from Hearst and Son. And then all they got was just one day, like a notice saying that the water was drinkable again. But they're still pretty afraid and none of them want to believe management. Right. I mean, I could imagine one symptom of this problem would be a lack of trust. So Hurston Sun is kind of the common denominator between all of these communities across the state of Washington and beyond that you've been hearing about. Seems like a lot of complaints across all of these different communities. Tell me what you know about Hurston Sun. Like, what is this company and what have they been up to in this industry in the past few years? So Hurston Sun is a mobile home management company based in Port Orchard. Their owners are Caleb and Christina Romack. 
since 2017, um, they've purchased 62 parks, um, and they've just been growing at a very fast rate. They now have 73 communities across five states. Uh, most of them are obviously still centered in Washington, but they've expanded to Oregon, Idaho, Montana, North Dakota, um, and they just keep on getting bigger. Is there any indication in your reporting what the, these acquisitions were about, or why did they acquire so many in such a short period of time? So we noticed that during the pandemic, they acquired at least around 33 parks, which is basically close to half of you know what they own right now. The first assumption that came to mind was, oh, they're taking advantage of you know pandemic era prices. But one thing that was really interesting and contradicted that point was, for example, like Leisure Manor, that was assessed at $5.6 million and Hearst paid $11 million. So basically double the price of that. That's so strange to me. You know, I came across that in your reporting and I was just curious about that. Like, why would that be? And I guess you don't really have an answer. Yeah, because they don't want to talk. I did talk to a source who lived in a community owned by another landlord. And this was something I heard from another advocate as well, that there's been like this theme where now these landlords are buying mobile home parks in like bundle packages. So it's possibly the case here. In recent years, some of the biggest investors in America have moved into this industry. According to one new report, over 100,000 home sites traditionally run by mom and pop businesses are now owned or partly owned by private equity firms like these. So if they were buying them all at once, maybe the total price was affordable or something. Yeah. But maybe for whatever reason, there's a higher price in one or another. Huh. So you reached out. You didn't get uh, much of a response besides no comment. But do you have a, a, a sense, you know, from your reporting, how Hurston Sun has been responding, uh, if at all, to these concerns that residents have? So, I mean, in previous stories, Hurston Sun has offered no comment or has said that they'll eventually address these complaints. But, you know, we haven't really seen anything out of them. We did obtain emails between Hurston Sun, the Aberdeen Tenants Association, and the Attorney General's office, and they contend that they're following state law. They're basically saying we're not doing anything wrong. Right. So they're like, we're raising rents, but there's no law against that. Yes, there's no rent cap. I'm curious in your reporting if you stumbled across any evidence to suggest that there really is a bigger trend. Are there other companies that you've been able to find? Or, or is there evidence of a bigger trend of, of more than just Hearst and Son doing this kind of thing, acquiring parks and raising rents on people? I talked to a resident from a community in Kenmore. That community in Kenmore was owned by another landlord called Collective Communities. And when I talked to her, she told me that with her mobile home park, she said, oh, yeah, like this has been going on for like around like five, six years, just these rent hikes. When you continue reporting on this topic, it's not just her and son. Like there's a bigger story, and especially in Washington state. What options do people have in this context? You're mentioning a lot of people are living in these communities because they are on a fixed income. To double their rent just doesn't work. <laughs> what is the next step? Yeah, so basically the Washington Department of Commerce has a relocation program where if you're eligible, you can get some financial assistance, but that program is pretty limited. One thing that sources in Aberdeen kept on telling me over and over again is that we're essentially going to be driven to homelessness. You know, one of my sources out in Yakima was actually homeless for a couple weeks because she got economically evicted out of the first park that she lived in. And then before moving to her current park that's owned by Hearst and Son, which now she also won't be able to afford, in that in-between period, she was homeless. And these are, you know, these are elderly people. You can't really survive that, you know? Yeah. 
And it's not like, you know, it's a simple thing to just get a job when you're 80 years old or something. You know, it, it's, a, it's a unique situation that these folks find themselves in. Just the sort of unique housing situation that is a mobile home park, I think, is worth uh, unpacking a little bit because, you know, in many ways, people who are living in these communities are both homeowners and renters at the same time, which sort of makes their situation both empowered and vulnerable at the same time in a unique way. Your reporting highlights what you have called the fragile nature of manufactured home ownership. Manufactured homes, another name for mobile homes. Can you explain the system a little bit and why it's so fragile? Well, the home belongs to you, but not the land. So you're at the whims of whoever manages that land. When you live in a mobile home community, despite the fact that that's your own home, that's in your name, you're still paying rent. And then you're still subject to you know, the rules that are in place by said landlord or said management company. And like, as we've seen with Hearst, you know, they come in, they're telling residents, you know, you need to mow the lawn, you need to park here, you know, you need to do this, you need to do that. And it's just, it's very restricting. One thing that came up actually in conversation with the Aberdeen Tenants Association was that one thing that was very frustrating for them was they had to ask for permission for literally just even the most minor of things. So they have an on-site manager, you know, that works for Hearst. And they can't even have a meeting in the clubhouse without asking him for permission. So it's just a very restricted way of living, you know, where you're a homeowner and you're supposed to, like, have all these freedoms that come with being a homeowner, but you really don't. So it's a it sort of leaves people very vulnerable. And as you've reported, mobile homes are not that mobile. If it really was an RV park, maybe somebody could just move it on over to another place that suited them better. And that's something that came up in our reporting was the fact that some people just tear their homes down because they can't afford to pick up and go because it would cost thousands of dollars to move the home. This story is not just about people experiencing hardship. It's also about people putting up a fight. And so tell me about what was happening at Leisure Manor. So they, they a couple people recently kind of spearheaded the effort to form a tenants association? Yeah. So the Aberdeen Tenants Association was started by Carolyn Hardy and Deb Wilson, um, both of which have been fairly longtime residents of the community. Carolyn has been there since 2008, while Deb has been there since 2015. And essentially, you know, they acted pretty fast. Hearst acquired the community in around late 2021, and the Tenants Association was started like months after in early 2022. Um, You know, they were hit with that first rent increase and they were like, oh, we're not going to deal with this. (laughs) We're going to fight back. So one of the first things that we saw with the Aberdeen Tenants Association was they started organizing on a local level. Um, One of the first things that they did was they invited city council members over to the community clubhouse to talk about what they can do in terms of passing an ordinance that would require landlords to notify residents of when there would be a rent increase of over 3%. And it would require basically like a longer notification period. So it would take it from 90 days to at least 120 days. And that was something that they were fighting for for quite a long time. It was only last month that it finally passed. And that was like one of their first, I'd say like fruits of their labor. 
they've been really leading this effort to fight back against Hearst. Um, one of the things that they've been doing is collecting as many complaints to the attorney general's office. Um, and that's something that we've seen with other communities. It's not just Leisure Manor. But Deb and Carolyn have really been adamant about that, you know, telling other residents, like, gather your complaints. Like, we need to build a very strong case against them. And another thing that they've been doing is trekking to other communities and um, telling them about their efforts in order to, you know, hopefully build solidarity across the board, you know, not just in their community, but like across all of Washington state. So, yeah, these residents are are forming associations with one another, forming relationships with other communities around the state, and then also connecting with these kind of statewide advocates and organizations to help them increase their reach. I mean, at the end of the day, what, what, what do you think the goal is? Is a state-level change? The obvious one that comes to mind is having more updated laws on the statewide level, because so far right now, the state of Washington only has the RCW uh, 5920, which is the manufactured Mobile Home Landlord-Tenant Act, it's quite a mouthful. So advocates and residents are saying that it doesn't go far enough and that they want to see something that builds upon it. Because one thing that Hearst and Son were saying is that, well, that piece of legislation doesn't have any rent caps. So we're free to hike up the rents as we want. So that's essentially what they're fighting for right now. They, they just want a bill that would put more accountability on Hearst and other landlords. So there is one senator in the state legislature, Kevin Vanderway, who my sources in Aberdeen said that he's basically been an ally to them throughout all of this. He's been keeping an eye on the increasing unaffordability of mobile housing. And he introduced a bill earlier this year that would have provided some sort of rent cap. It died. You know, the bill just never went anywhere. Um, another bill did make it through, and that is Senator Noel Frame introduced a bill that would require a registry. For the record, I'm Noel Frame, state senator for the 36th district, uh, bringing forward this legislation today. Where essentially, if a landlord is interested in buying a community, they would first have to go through a registry. So then all of the residents would be notified of the purchase and give them the option of stepping in and being able to buy the park for themselves. And our manufactured housing is just such a unique scenario where you have homeowners that own their homes but not the land underneath. It presents a really uh, unique and challenging circumstance um, that creates a really high threat for displacement. Like in terms of solutions, that's another thing that advocates have been pointing toward, which is what if we have the residents pool in the money and buy the community for themselves and then be self-run. So you've got residents at Leisure Manor Estates in Aberdeen collecting complaints from people and submitting those complaints to the state attorney general's office. They're sort of encouraging people in these other Hurston Sun communities across the state to do the same. Do we have any sense of, of its impact so far? I mean, what happens when these complaints go into the state attorney general's office? I was in Aberdeen last week, and I asked for an update on that. And they told me that the attorney general's office essentially is looking to launch like an investigation into Hearst and Son. But in terms of at least my interactions with the attorney general's office, it's been very limited. I wanted to get a hold of the case manager who was working with Fleager Manor. And when I tried to get a hold of her, they said that I essentially wasn't able to talk to her directly and I would have to relay my questions over. And when I did that, it was very stalled. We didn't really hear back. In terms of action from the attorney general's office, we don't really know where they stand aside from, you know, one of the sources in Aberdeen saying that it seems like they're going to put together a case against them. And would that case then essentially potentially turn into some kind of a class action lawsuit or is that on the horizon, do you think? 
Yeah, so that's something separate. So both Deb and Carolyn had reached out to an attorney right around when the association, like the Tenants Association, was started to see if they can file a lawsuit against Hearst and Son. Because one thing that they brought up with these rent increases is that they're essentially not valid because they're not like I've seen copies of the of the new leases. They're not dated, nor are they signed. So that's been their argument, you know, that like, technically, we don't have to pay these leases. They have been paying the amount just so they don't get evicted. But that was something that they've been fighting on in terms of just how they can protect themselves legally against Hearst and Son. So basically, we might hear some more news about this next year. Yes. (laughs) Like, they're not going down without a fight. Why do you feel like it's important to tell this story about Hearst and Son in particular. Why is it important for people to know this, do you think? The housing affordability crisis in Washington is only going to get worse and worse. And it's very concerning when, you know, what was once lauded as the affordable housing option is now becoming unaffordable. So they're basically pushing like this gentrification cycle of mobile homes. So in some ways, your reporting is really reflecting one aspect of this, this conversation in the state of Washington, which is rent affordability is a big deal, even in rural areas and especially in rural areas in some cases, because people don't have a lot of other options. That's correct. You have nowhere else to go. It's only been a few months, but some significant things have happened since we first ran this conversation with Farah. She's been continuing to report on Hearst and Son properties, as well as on other mobile home communities in Washington. So now, here's Farah with an update. So, Farah, when you were looking into Hearst and Son properties in Washington and all of these allegations, against them. One of the things that the tenants, specifically at Leisure Manor Estates in Aberdeen, one of the things that they were doing was submitting complaints to the state attorney general's office. And the last time you and I were talking about this, we didn't really know the status of those complaints. What's happened on that front since the summer? Yeah. So a little over a month after we published the story, the attorney general's office got back with an update. They started investigating Hearst and Son in response to one of the complaints that was filed from a tenant in Aberdeen. Deb Wilson, who's the president of the Leisure Manor Tenants Association, had submitted a complaint that summarized all of the problems that we highlighted in the original piece. And on October 3rd, um, the Assistant Attorney General Sebastian Miller sent out an email with preliminary findings of an investigation that they were doing on Hearst and Son, saying that they would like to see the company rescind rental increases in some cases, uh, refund excessive fees, and update lease agreements in order to comply with the Mobile Home Landlord-Tenant Act, otherwise known as the RCW 5920. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. So, so the Attorney General's office is saying, we believe that Hearst and Son has violated state law to some degree. Yes and is requesting from the company to reimburse tenants for, you know, any overcharged amounts. I mean, it's interesting because I believe the last time we were talking about this, you and I had obtained emails um, showing that Herson Son LLC had told the attorney general's office, look, we're, we're raising rent, but there's nothing illegal about that. 
But now, you know, the attorney general's office is finding some things that are illegal about that. However, I'm not sure exactly if the state can regulate rent per se. I wonder if you could explain that a little bit. It's like they're recommending rescinding rental increases, but it's not the rent increase itself that's against the law. So Miller's findings say that these rent increases were done outside of lease renewal dates Mm. and without the agreement of tenants. That's what violates state law. However, the rent increases themselves aren't a violation of state law. And that was the biggest problem that, you know, we reported on in the story in which rent stability isn't mandated by the RCW 5920. And so, yeah, it's the timing of the hikes, not the hikes themselves. Correct. So after these recommendations were issued, uh, Hearst and Son responded and said that it would hold off on any uh, rent increases for unsigned leases at Leisure Manor Estates until the next renewal anniversary this coming summer. One thing that came up in our reporting was whether or not this would set a precedent for all Hearst and Son parks across the state. And we learned through um, follow-up reporting by the Kitsap Sun that other parks, such as Pinewood Park in Bremerton, also received notice of the investigation and that Hurston Sun told the Attorney General's office that they would be accounting tenant files across all of their mobile home parks in Washington um, in order to determine these renewal rates and account for any difference in rent. Okay, so, so these findings do apply to all Hearst and Son properties in Washington State? Yes. Do you have a sense of how the Attorney General's findings have impacted tenants at all right now? Well, one thing that we did get confirmation of from the Attorney General's office is that these corrective actions still may not be enough for tenants to stay or still may not cause enough price reduction uh, for tenants to stay. Because as I mentioned before, rental increases are still protected by state law. So it's it could be that people are still facing displacement? Yes. Meanwhile, you've been reporting on other mobile home communities in Washington state. Because it turns out there are other mobile home properties in Washington that are facing some really similar challenges, even though they're not owned by Hurston Sun LLC. Yeah. So we had a tenant reach out from Western Plaza Mobile Home Park in Tumwater to tell us about their landlord, Legacy Communities. Legacy is a much bigger company than Hearst Son. Um, it's based in Florida with an office in Arizona, and it has residential properties in at least 19 states. Legacy acquired the park uh, last summer after handoffs between local landlords and we've been seeing rent hikes, but also the company introduced undefined escalator costs since they acquired the park. That's just been added fees on top of what tenants have been telling me that they've been seeing of, you know, rent hikes coming out of nowhere. And then tenants showed me their complaint that they filed with the attorney general's office, and they alleged that their landlord or their original landlord didn't give enough of a notice to the tenants when they sold the park to Legacy. So they alleged that they woke up the next day and then they found out the news that Legacy acquired the park. And under state law, you can't do that. Um, and that's something that we've seen with Hearst and Sun Parks too, where tenants felt like they were blindsided by Hearst acquisition. So that's one similarity that we've been seeing. What do you think 
is next for these communities? Are advocates working with the Tamwata property? Are, are they expecting or hoping for anything in the coming months? They, they're now choosing to remedy their fight through legislative means. Once the 2024 legislative session starts, they plan on taking their advocacy to the Hill um, because they feel that the county has failed them and that the Attorney General's office has also failed them. So this is their next um, route that they're planning on taking. Well, thank you so much, Far. I really appreciate your time. Of course. Thanks for listening to Crosscut Reports. This episode was reported by Farah El-Tohami and Mai Huang and produced by me, Sarah Bernard. The story editor was Ryan Fumuliner. Our executive producer is Sarah Menzies. You can subscribe to Crosscut Reports wherever you listen. And whatever platform you're listening on, please review us. We'd love to know what you think of the show. Also, if you'd like to support the work we do at Crosscut, whether it's our lineup of podcasts, the video docu-series we stream every week, or the in-depth reporting we deliver every day, go to crosscut.com membership. In addition to supporting our journalism, members receive complete access to the on-demand programming of Seattle's PBS station, KCTS 9. For the latest political, environmental, and culture news from the Pacific Northwest, visit crosscut.com. That's also where you'll find a text version of the story we discussed today. Crosscut Reports is a product of Cascade Public Media. I'm Sarah Bernard. We'll be back soon with another episode.